Let's just start this thing off in prayer. God, we just began declaring something just a minute ago that I think God was just breaking in the house. That not that we need a not just that we need a move, but that that this is a move of God. That this is He is who He is. He is God. He is a waymaker. And I know maybe you're sitting in the room today and you feel like you don't know what's going on and you need a waymaker. I'm here to tell you, He is the waymaker. He is the promise keeper. He is the one that brings it all. So if we could, just right where you are, standing, sitting, doesn't matter. Just throw your hands in the air if you want God to do something in your life. And let's pray, Father. We honor you. We worship you. We give you everything today. We do declare, God. We're not just singing songs. We're declaring your character. We're declaring your power. We're declaring your might. We're declaring your spirit. We're declaring today, you are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are all of those things. And, and God, we see that through scripture and we experience that through life. And God, we honor you for that. And today, I just pray, God, that you take us on a journey that would change everything about us change our lives. God, I pray, I continue to pray that anxiety would leave, God, that that that, that hurts, past hurts and, and, and bitter roots would, would leave, God, that we would begin declaring and prophesying over our own lives the power of who you are, and God, we begin to see that happen. And Lord, we love you and honor you. In your name we pray, amen. Do me a favor real quick, high five somebody around you and tell them, hey, it's getting good in here. Come on now. Tell them, I heard you singing. It ain't as bad as you think. <laughs> ain't as bad as you think. Man, we, I am excited today uh, to be in a brand new series called My Best Life. Maybe you've seen the hashtags. Maybe you've seen the posts. It's a new phrase that's out there all the time. I'm living my best life. And you get the pictures, you take them, and you're at the beach, right? And you're, you're, you're passed out on the beach. No, hopefully you're not passed out on the beach. But you're laying on the beach. You're, 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 you're getting a tan, or, or really you're coming back looking like a lobster. And it's living my best life. And, and, and you know, we, we do all that stuff, and that's great. But I want to I talk about that today in, in week one of, of my best life. We're going to go through the series. We've got, we got a really awesome surprise for you at the end of this series, so don't miss any week. It's going to be amazing. Um, but, but my best life, and you can title the message this, title it this, Freedom to Flow. Freedom to Flow. It's going to be really good. I don't know about you. Uh, I've told this story. I got a friend of mine. One time we showed up to a conference, uh, a, a pastor's conference, and uh, about halfway there, it was an eight-hour drive. We were about five hours in, and I looked at him, and I said, hey, man, uh, you want me to get the tickets and I'll just put them in my bag so you don't have to worry about them. He goes, oh, we don't have tickets. I was like, excuse me. I just rode eight hours with Joe behind in a rental car and you ain't got tickets to this thing. He says, nah, man, I just flow. I was like, excuse me, flow? You know, like, what are you talking about? And, and anyway, we got in. It was all good. He was kind of messing with me a little bit. But I was like, man, I just want to be in my place in my life. And I've learned over the past several months and probably the past couple of years, that the freedom to flow is how I live my best life. And, and, and the Bible actually talks a lot about that. The Bible actually teaches us a lot about the power of flow. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. The first thing that we have to do in order to live our best life is this. It's one word. It's one word. We have to learn freedom. Write that down as big as you can on the top of your notes. Freedom. That's your best life right there. In fact, do this. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Go ahead. Look at If you're married to them, tell them how good they look real quick. Just tell them. Like, if you're not and, and you're single and they're single, you tell them how good they look too. All right. I'm helping you out. Ready date right here. All right. <laughs> and just tell them. Just say this. Just say freedom. Freedom. Look at your other neighbor and say, say your breath smells great. And then tell them Freedom. Freedom. The first step, I'm telling you, the first step to my best life 
is learning freedom. And I've learned lately in my life that, that sometimes I need to stop trying harder. I need to stop trying harder. I need to stop trying so hard. I need to actually do this, try softer. I need to try softer. I need to trust harder. And I need to try softer. Because if I'm not careful, I can think that trying harder is actually what gets me my success in life. And some of you are like, well, what is success? Well, success is a moving target for everybody. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. You know, success for you, if you're trying to uh, buy a, 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 as somebody was telling me about a Cadillac XLR this morning, like if that's what you're trying to buy and you get there, then guess what? That's success, right? If you're trying to, to, to please God and you're trying to walk in your promises and in your purposes in life, then that'll look different for you. It just, success is a moving target depending on the person. But the deal is, is we can't have success until we learn that we aren't the one, we can't trust ourselves to try harder to get there. We have to try softer and trust harder. Here's what I mean by that. Many of us will work our tails off and forbid and will forsake our families in order to get a raise. We'll forsake our families in order to get a position. We'll forsake our, we'll forsake this. We'll forsake church. We'll forsake all these things to get somewhere. And it's us just trying so hard to make something happen and to make these relationships take place and this raise to take place. All these things are taking place. And the whole thing is, is we got to understand it all comes from God. I got to trust harder and I got to do. Mark Batterson says it like this in his book, The Circle Maker. He says this. He says, you have to work like it depends on you. And pray like it depends on God because it does. In other words, it's not that I don't work harder. It's that I don't try so hard that I burn myself out. Many of us aren't living our best life simply because we're trying so hard that we forgot the trust factor in the whole thing. We don't even know what it means to flow. We don't even know what it means to be free. In fact, we, we read the scriptures and we're like, oh, that's great. Freedom is great. It's amazing. I love you, Jesus. But we're so bound by work and opinions and, and opportunities, and we feel like we're bound by, and we got to do this, this, and this, and we're trying so hard that we're really bound and cuffed in our life, and but yet we're singing of the freedom of Jesus. And I just want to tell you something. That's not how Jesus intended us to live. We were intended to live free. We were intended to walk around and live in purpose and promise. We were intended to enjoy the freedom to live, the freedom to love, the freedom to, to run your race. Ephesians says to run the race set before you. This is something I'm learning in my life. Then I'm not, I'm not called to run your race. In fact, I'm not held accountable for your finish line. I'm not called to grab your baton. I'm called to run the race set before me. And my race is going to look different than your race. And if it doesn't, then I'm really just running behind your race in your lane, grabbing your baton, trying to fulfill your thing. That's why some people are like, I can't believe you take that position and just be the number two guy instead of the number one. No. Hey, it's my race. It's your race. It's our race. It's not anybody else's. I cannot be held accountable for how you finish the finish line. It's how I cross my finish line. And here's the thing. Here's what that means. Sometimes I have to have the freedom to flow and make the decisions that I know need to be made in my race even though it may disqualify you from running in my lane. Come on. Sometimes we make decisions trying to get people in our lane rather than finish our race. I want you in my, our lane, some of us are lane, can I just be honest? Our lanes are too crowded. 
We got too many people running the same race with us and we just need to be like, hey, I'm not going that way because that's not my finish line and that's not my race. I love you and I'll support you and I'll pray with you and I'll be with you, but I'm not running that race and so I need you to run your race and I'll run my race. If you can run my lane, then that's fine. If you can run at my pace, that's fine, but I got a finish line in sight. Are you with me today? Let me, let me show you an example of, uh, of, of uh, well, actually, let me, let me do it this way. I got three things to tell you about freedom today. Three things, and we'll go through it like this. The first thing is this. Freedom is found in Jesus. You got to hear this first and foremost. Freedom is found in Jesus. Freedom is not found anywhere else. Freedom is not found in a job. Freedom is not found in a bar. Freedom is not found in a bottle. Freedom is not found in a football team. Somebody in the middle of football season say, praise God. Y'all like, I ain't ready for that, Pastor. You ain't. Listen, you're either in this boat. My team is undefeated or my team's won one game, okay? And you guys are like, I ain't ready to talk about freedom in football yet. Freedom is not found in anything. It's not found in any romantic relationship. It's not found in any possession. It's found in Jesus. In fact, let me, let me show you. I'm sorry, I just did that. I just gave the sound crew a, a nightmare right there. John chapter 8, verse 36 says this. It says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free. Hey, hear this word, indeed. The word indeed is an ending word that puts punctuation on a statement. In fact, in fact it's the exclamation mark to what Jesus is saying right there. He says, if the Son, Him being the Son, makes you free, you will be free indeed. And here's the beautiful thing. If you know the gospel, every one of us have already been made free but we don't all accept the freedom. Here, let me put it to you like this. If I walked up to Russell today, and, and I love Russell, and I think you're going to do amazing things in your life, man. Pastor Russell, he's an ordained minister, just graduated from, from college, and he's working in chaplaincy and all that stuff. Y'all give it up for him, man. Like He chooses to call Radiate Church home, and I'm excited for what he's going to do. But if I walk up to Pastor Russell, I'm like, hey, for your graduation gift, man, I just bought you a 2019 Ford Raptor. I'm going to keep speaking this thing into the atmosphere until I get one. <laughs> it's going to be 2025 before I get one. But anyway, and so I just bought you this, right? And you're like, oh, man, that's amazing. I got the gift. But if he never grabs the keys, I use this illustration all the time, and puts it in the ignition, cranks it up, and drives off at it, is it his? Yeah, it's his, but he's not using it. And that's what Jesus has done for most, many of us. He's given us the gift of salvation and the gift of freedom and the gift of redemption and the gift of grace and the gift of love. It's our responsibility to walk in it. It's our responsibility to look at him and be like, you know what, Jesus, I love you. Thank you. And I'm going to walk in that new life. I'm going to walk in that freedom. I'm going to walk in who you made us to be. It, it, let me give you this thought. Freedom, because I want to I clarify this, so it's going to be on the screen for a few minutes. Freedom is not found in rebellion. It's found in surrender to Jesus. Many of us think that freedom, and we're going to talk about this, this is the theme through the whole day. Freedom, many of us think, is a lack of boundaries. Freedom is the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and nobody can say anything to me about it. Because here's the most important phrase that most of us have in our vocabulary. You ready? Here's what most of us say. You can't judge me. We love that phrase, right? Because here's what that says. That's me quoting scripture out of context to try to guilt you and be your Holy Spirit for what you're saying to me. In other words, I'm trying to tell you not to hold me accountable to anything because I want to do what I want to do because I'm free. 
I'm free. But hear me, hear me. Freedom is not found in rebellion. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of us think, well, if I pray the prayer and and, and I mean it in the moment, then I can now live my life however I want to live it. Because if the Son has set me free, then I'm free indeed. No, 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 no. Galatians 3.22, write that one down. It says that through Jesus, sin has been locked away. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. If the Son has set you free, not if a prayer... Not if religious duty, not if your grandparents' faith, not if a bottle of Jack Daniels, not if, you're, not if this, not if that, not if sexual relationships, not if any of that has set you. If the Son, Jesus Christ, that hung on the cross and suffocated to death because he believed in you, if he has set you free, you are free indeed. And here's what he means by that. If he has set you free, he has locked away sin in a closet that cannot get to you and separate you from him because he's the one that set you free. It's not a lack of boundary. It's not a presence of rebellion. It is only by the surrender to Jesus that freedom becomes available to me. Freedom is actually found in surrender. Freedom is actually found in in this opportunity. And I love this, that freedom is found in this truth. I can surrender my life to the one that surrendered his. Freedom is, I get the opportunity to make the choice I need to make. I get the chance to surrender my life to the one that surrendered his life. Let let me give you an example of what freedom kind of looks like in this because freedom isn't what we think. It's not the absence of boundaries. It's not the absence of these things. Freedom is actually... Uh, surrendering to someone or something that can help you. Let, let, let me prove it to you. For, for instance, this right here, many of you know exactly what this is. This is a child lock for a cabinet. In fact, it's called a cabinet lock. They came really creative with that, that name. And so you put, if you got two, two, two cabinets and the knobs are together, you put this end on one knob and this end on the other knob and you tighten it and a baby or a toddler or I guess a crazy adult, if you need that, can't get into the cabinet, right? And so you put it on there, and we got this one on our uh, cabinets under our sink because this is where we have our, you know, our cleaning supplies and things that are dangerous, right? And, and y'all, we didn't have to even put cabinet locks on locks for my first two kids, but my third kid, he's like, I'm going to show y'all what you missed with the other two. <laughs> so, like, we, y'all, we took Megan's elastic hairbands and wrapped them around because we didn't have any more of these. And I'm like, you ain't getting in my cabinet, boy. I walked in one day, he's got my razor in his hand. I'm like, hold, back up, let's negotiate this. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious. But you put this on there because I don't want Cullen, my one-year-old, 14-month-old, I don't want him getting into things that he shouldn't be in. And so I, I look at him, and I'm like, you can't get in that closet. You can't get in that, those cabinets right there. That, it's going to hurt you. It's, it's more dangerous and harmful to you than it is helpful, right? And the older he gets and the more mature he gets, and I'm not really not worried about it. Like my eight-year-old son, I'll tell him to go in that cabinet and grab a cleaning supply or something and go clean something up. Why? Because he's matured to the point where he understands that there is only certain things that you can do with what's in that cabinet. Hear me. But here's the thing about Cullen in this cabinet. Cullen can do anything he wants throughout the rest of the house. He's got, he's got rooms he can go in. He's got toys he can play with. He's got a couch that he jumps and nosedives off of. We had to rearrange our furniture for that. Like he's got anything he can do inside the house. But there's certain things that we have to put locks on that he can't get into. And that, hear me, is freedom. Freedom is going, 
Just, you can do whatever you want to do in here. Just stay out of this. In other words, that's why Jesus says stuff like this. Hey, don't let any unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. Well, don't tell me how to talk. That's just how I am. I know I tear everybody down, but that's just how I talk. Well, Jesus said, don't let any unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. You can talk about football. You, you, can talk, you, can talk about, you can talk about church. You can talk about anything else, but don't let any unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. So in other words, you got freedom to say what you want as long as it's wholesome. Stay out of that cabinet. That's why he says, hey, don't get drunk in, with the wine, but get drunk in the spirit. And in other words, he goes, hey, you can do whatever you want in life. But here's a cabinet. When you overindulge with alcohol, you're sinning and you're going wrong. You're walking away from the promises of God. Some of you need to hear that today because we have a struggle with that. Hear me today. If we walk in drunkenness, hear me. Jesus put a lock on that and said, you don't need to overindulge. You got freedom for everything else. Get out of that cabinet. Hey, gossip, gossip, dishonor. Jesus is like, hey, you can, you can talk to people. You can talk about people, all that stuff. But if it's dishonoring to somebody, it's a lock. In other words, he's saying, you got freedom to do whatever you want, man. You got freedom to walk around this house called the kingdom of God. And you can do whatever you want. But there's just a few cabinets that will hurt you if you're not mature enough to handle them. And how many times in our lives, hear me, have we walked into cabinets and rooms that were supposed to be locked before we were mature enough to even see what was in there? If I looked at my son and I said, hey, Cullen, you're one years old. You can't even form a sentence yet. Your words are wow, oh no, and uh-oh. But go in there and grab the bleach and clean this area of the house because it needs to be clean. How many of you guys would say that's good parenting? Nobody. But yet in our spiritual lives, we want to go, hey, God, you know what? You said I'm free to do whatever I want to do. I don't care if you told me to stay out of that cabinet until I'm mature enough to understand what's in the cabinet. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm free. And God's going, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want to do, but I'm trying to help you. And not harm you. You can get in that cabinet if you really want to. But the problem is, is when you get in that cabinet, you ain't strong enough to see what's in the cabinet and still be okay in life. Yeah. And it's going to set you back. And so that, hear me, that is freedom. Freedom is found in Jesus. And the only way that we can stay out of cabinets that are locked. Many of us go, I don't want, I've heard people say this, right? I don't want to walk with Jesus because he tells me too much of what I shouldn't do. No, everything that he tells us we shouldn't do is an invitation to do something better. It's an invitation to do something better. It's every room or cabinet he says to stay out of. He goes, you got a whole stinking house that you can do something with. Stop looking at the cabinet going, man, I really wish I could stand in that cabinet. I really wish I could get in there. And Cullen goes to the cabinet. He'll beat on the cabinet. Da, 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 da. Oh, I want to go to the cabinet. If you got a little kid, you know what I'm talking about. And many of us, we spend our whole lives beating on a cabinet, wishing God would let us in. And he goes, if I let you in, it's going to destroy you. I'm letting you know. You don't have the spiritual maturity to go out with your friends that are getting drunk every night yet. Come on, somebody. You don't have the spiritual maturity to walk with somebody that gossips every single day. You got to stay out of some cabinets right now as you grow because freedom is found in discipline. That's point number two. Freedom is found in discipline. We talk about this all the time as a staff. Freedom is found in discipline. John chapter seven. This good? Any, helping anybody? Some of you guys are like, I'm really mad at you right now. I don't want to talk to you. That's all right. I love you. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his, get this, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive from the Spirit was not given yet. But Jesus was not glorified yet. He says, if you believe in me, not only are you set free, but from your innermost being, there is a river flowing from you called the Spirit of God. Let's look. Can I just, can we walk through this very practically real quick for just a few minutes this morning? So he talks about a river. We're going to get to that. Let's look at some other popular bodies of water real quick. Because here's the thing you got to understand. In Scripture, wording was everything. The reason they use words like river of living water and all this stuff is because it was a visualization of a principle and a lesson God was teaching or Jesus was teaching in the moment. And so if he could get you to visualize what he was saying, it made more sense. So let's visualize this. On the screen, there's going to come a lake. We're going to show a lake up here, right? Got a lake on the screen. And, and if you look at a lake, many of us know what a lake looks like because we spent all summer there. And uh, we, I'm just kidding. Um, and you look at the lake, right? And here's the thing about a lake. It's a defined area, right? It's, it's got its boundaries. It looks a certain way. Like when I'm flying, one of the best things I love to do, right, is when we're taking off, I like to look out the window because I like seeing the bodies of water and the way the, the roads are gridded out and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting to me. You get a different perspective the higher you get. And so you can look, and I love as we're landing looking at it because you see the formation of lakes. So there's a formation of a lake, right? But here's, a, here's some things about a lake. A lake has boundaries, doesn't it? It's got certain banks and shores that it doesn't need to go over because it keeps it confined in that shape, in that area, in that time, and, and that's what we're planned for. But the thing about a lake is the water sits still until an outside source moves it. Until a boat comes through or somebody goes splashing around or whatever. But an outside source has to move the water of the lake, right? But what happens when water gets stagnant? It stinks. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. So here's what a lake does. A lake is a boundaried body of water that doesn't do anything. Now let's go to, a, let's go to another popular thing. Let's go to a swamp, right? Let's go to the swamp. Look at the swamp. A swamp is interesting because a swamp... <coughs> excuse me, a swamp has no boundaries. A swamp goes wherever the swamp wants to go. It has no defined boundaries. It has no defined shape. It has no defined area. In fact, you can't build on swamp land, right? Uh, as we learned in, in our pursuit of land, Miss Gale, is you can't build on swamp areas. Why? Because it's a possibility that that area could grow with water and flood your building that you're building on. There's certain things that have to be done to, to create the boundaries, but there is no boundary to a swamp. And here's the thing about swamp. Swamp water is nasty. Swamp water is disgusting because swamp water doesn't get moved very often. And, and because it has no boundaries, the water can go wherever it wants to go. Then the truth of the matter is, is when the water goes where it wants to go, then it, it can debilitate and devastate other things in its way. And so it tears things down because there's no boundaries to keep it withheld. And so it does what it wants. Now let's go to the river real quick. Let's go to a river. Look at that. That's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't that gorgeous? Like, that's my setting right there. I, I could sit and look at that all day long. I love the mountains and stuff like that. But that right there, here's the thing about a river. A river has a set, defined boundary that is going to a specific destination. And here's the key difference in a river. A river is always moving. A river doesn't stay still. 
Even when it looks like it's staying still, if you put something in it like a, a fishing hook or something, you'll watch it just slowly go on down river. It's a current taking it where it needs to go. A river has defined boundaries, taking it to a specific place, but it never sits still. Many of us in our spiritual lives, we're like a lake. And so we got these defined boundaries. We're like, okay, I'll work within that. But to work within that, we need somebody to always come along and motivate us. Let me tell you how you ought to do. And if I hear a good sermon, then I'll be motivated to life change. If I hear a good sermon, if somebody prays for me, if I feel the goosebumps, if I pray and I cry and all this stuff happens, right? Leave the river up. All these things take place. Then if that happens and something from the outside comes in and it stirs me up, that's whenever I get moving and I'll work within it. But otherwise, I'm going to sit within my boundary and I'm not going to move. That's how religion starts. Here's my boundaries. I will not change. I will not budge. I will not see things different. I will not pray different. I will not worship different. This is how it needs to be. And if the pastor don't make it that way, then he's wrong. And what we need is an outside source to motivate us to change. And then many of us, we live our spiritual lives like a swamp. And so there's no boundaries. We do, hey, I prayed the prayer. I can do whatever I want. And we take people out in the, in the, <laughs> in the process. And we go, hey, this person doesn't like me. And this person says this about me. And sometimes I want to look and go, you've said that about 10 people. Look at the common denominator. Maybe you're being a swamp with no boundaries and you're going wherever you want and you're taking people out in the process and because the water isn't moving, it stinks. Your faith stinks. Move the waters. But here's the thing. A river is always crisp. In fact, when we go to the mountains, you can drink straight out of the river or the, the creek right there. Here's why. You know why? Because it's always moving, the only pollution that gets in is off the shore. Many of us, hear me, many of us allow the shore to pollute the river of living water within us. And so people are throwing things into the river and we don't care. And we're just like, okay, speak, those speak that stuff over me, that speak that curse, say that, do that, do these things to me. And it so pollutes your river of living water that now you're not even flowing with the Spirit and so you're not living your best life. In fact, you're living a, a, a revengeful life because of the pollution that's come in. And a river is always moving to a destination. And here's the thing. Jesus says it like this. He says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. In other words, from the deepest part of your life, the Spirit of God will flow out of you with boundaries to a destination, taking you with it, but it never stops. So if you stop, you're going to uphold the progress of what the Spirit wants to do in your life. And so freedom, and the, my best life is the freedom to flow with the river of the Spirit of God. It's the freedom to go, I'm going somewhere. I'm doing something. I'm accomplishing something. I'm getting somewhere in life. And many of us, if you're anything like me, I get frustrated sitting still too long. Pastor Travis and I had a meeting with a, our financial consultant for the church uh, on Friday. And I looked at him and I said, here's something you need to know about me. I hate sitting still too long. I said, my wife laughs at me all the time because I'll even change the way my office looks because I get tired of looking at it and I feel like it's sitting the same way too long. It's just how I'm wired. And he started laughing. He said, that just always means you're moving. And I thought back to this. No, it means that I'm, I'm willing to move and change and be stirred up however I need to be stirred up to get to the destination. Let me give you this quick thought and I'm going to go to number three and close out. In biblical times, you can take it off the screen. Thank you. In biblical times, do you know how they won wars? They won it through bloodshed. They won it through violence and through, 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 through you know, fighting. Here's how they won wars. More than not, they cut off the other place's water source. 
And so what they do, the other the towns, they would fight over a spring. And I've been in the water tunnels. And you go about 40 feet underground and you walk through this water tunnel. And what it connected to was what used to be a spring back in biblical days. Been there. And the water, it would be slanted. The, 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 the path would be slanted. And they would go and the water would flow down the path. And, they would, and, the, and, the, and the tunnel was always started in the town so that they could drop down right there and get the water and go back up. But where the spring was, they would hide it from the other place. Because if the other place found out about it, they would take over the water source. And now all they had to do was, it was dominate the water source, cut off the water flow, and then wait on you to thirst to death. Because you'd come out with your hands up and they never had to shoot an arrow. And for many of us, hear me, there's two things happening. We are cutting off our own water source, or the Bible calls it quenching the Spirit. We won't move with what the Spirit of God's telling us to do. We won't lift our hands because of what somebody's thinking. I won't give because I don't know that I can. I won't be generous because of this. I won't love in the midst of hard times because of that. I won't go for this. I won't shoot in faith. And so what's happening is we're cutting off our own water source, and it can't flow to keep us in battle. Or we've allowed the enemy to come in and dominate our water source. And now he's just waiting on us to come out with our hands up going, all right, I'm done. I'm walking away from this faith thing. It's entirely too hard. They said this or they said that or this happened and that happened. And you know, when you get thirsty and hungry, everything's more sensitive, isn't it? And here's the thing, like we got to learn freedom is discipline. Freedom is discipline. And the third thing is this. Freedom is flowing with the Spirit. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Then he shows me. So Revelation is a, is a vision of what, what's to come in the end days. Right? And he says this. Then he showed me a river of the, living, of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb, in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life. Please go back to Genesis. The tree of life was there. The tree of life is here. There's a river in Eden. There's a river at the end. It all connects. He says there's a, there's a river. And, and, and uh, on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruits every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I don't want to go into the prophetic thing of all that and the theological teaching of all of that because I don't understand every bit of it and, and all that. But here's the thing, what I want to tell you. A tree's job is not to place itself. A tree's job is to draw water from where it's placed. And you see a clear example right here that when you're flowing in the river of life, the river of the Spirit, fruit grows. Let me give you this thought. You know how well you flow with the Spirit by the fruit you grow in the Spirit. You know how you're flowing by the fruit that you're growing. If my life has not changed since I've come to Jesus, maybe it's not Jesus, but I'm blocking the flow. I'm blocking the flow. Maybe I'm not flowing like I should. Maybe I'm not flowing like God wants me to. Maybe I'm not staying away from the cabinets that I need to stay out of. Maybe I'm not making the decisions that I feel like God is leading me to make. Maybe 
I've had people say this, Pastor, this sounds crazy to me, but this is what I feel like I need to do. And I want to look at them and I do sometimes and go, that's just God telling you to take a step of faith. Don't block the flow, walk in the flow. Walk in the flow of the Spirit, walk in the flow, because it tells me that when I'm in the flow of the river of life, when I'm in the flow of Jesus, when I'm in the flow of the Spirit, fruit grows year round. The fruit doesn't stop in difficult seasons. When it gets cold, fruit don't stop. When it's too hot, the fruit don't stop. Why? Because it's a river that never stops flowing of living so it never dies. Water that grows where I'm planted. Guys, we got to grab this. My best life is not a life without boundaries. My best life is finding the boundaries of a life with Jesus and I'm free to reign in that. What are the cabinets? What are the rooms? What are the, where is the source flowing? Like sometimes we're still sitting here and the, and the river has already taken a, a turn. I've heard this in leadership. I'm gonna close with the next step here in just a minute. I've heard this in leadership, right? That you can't, or let me put it like this, what got you here will not get you there. In other words, the way that you do things now, the bigger you grow, the more different you have to do things then to grow even bigger. Faith, leadership, all those things. So let me tell you this, the way that we invite people today is not gonna be the way that we have to invite people later. Because some of us aren't inviting at all. And I just heard a story last week of somebody that accepted Jesus in the lobby because they were invited to church last Sunday. I can't expect lives to change without me telling people. And so here's what I'm saying. Like, I can't continue to go, all right, God, this is a good spot. I'm just gonna sit right here. No, I gotta go, God, are you flowing this way? Or are you flowing that way? God, this is painful. Should I treat my spouse this way or should I treat them that way? Because my natural indication is this is my personality and this is how I am. And I just talk this way and I act this way and I do these things and they get on my nerves and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm going to go this way and God's going, no, 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 no. I'm not flowing that way. In fact, if you're treating people that way, you're not flowing with the spirit. You're flowing with you. So get off your high horse and stop, stop whining and complaining about your personality and start flowing with the spirit. Sometimes I believe that's what God says to us. So which way, hear me, which way is the spirit flowing? That's our question. Galatians 5.13 says it like this, and I'm closing. For you were called, hear this, hear this. You were called to freedom. You were called to freedom only. So Paul's talking to the church of Galatia. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Hey, you were called to be free. And then he says this. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Wow. Paul goes, hey, you're free. In the name of Jesus, you're free. But don't you dare take a spiritual freedom and make it a flesh indulgence. Flow with the Spirit. And so I believe where life change happens, and the Bible tells me that life change happens in the hearing of the Word of God. And I want to challenge us as a church to do something for 20 days. 20 days. This is where it's all going to shift for us right here. Maybe you're new to the faith or maybe you're not even in the faith. 
Maybe this is your first time at Radiate. Maybe it's your thousandth time. I just want to ask you to join in a couple of things. One, I want to ask you to join in to inviting at least one person to join you at Radiate Church next week. It'll stretch your faith and it'll help you flow in the spirit because you'll start following what he's saying. It really does. It's amazing. But I want to, for 20 days, I want us to read one chapter of the Bible a day. Y'all are like, one chapter? Holy cow, that takes 10 minutes. You wait that long in the drive-thru at Starbucks. All right. One chapter for 20 days. And here's where we're going to start. We're going to read this together every day for 20 days. We're going to start with Galatians chapter 1. By the end of 20 days, you will have read at least four books of the Bible. That's more than some of you read your entire life. And that's okay. I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying that's more than some of us have read our entire life. Galatians 1, and we'll end, I think it's in Colossians. And here's what I want to tell you. The power that's going to come by reading of the Word, because here's what Paul is teaching us in this. He's teaching us leadership. He's teaching us life. And we're going to learn how to flow with the Spirit in these letters. And here's what it is, and, and I'm going to pray. It's letters to a church, to churches of how to grow the church, but how to grow yourself. Because even though you're planted in a church, we still need to learn how to live our best life. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. So my prayer today, I want to pray over you. As you I want to give you some time to go outside and sign up for a life group and all that stuff. But my prayer today is this. That we would live within the boundaries of the freedom of God that we would stay away from cabinets that we know we shouldn't be around. Some of you need to go home. You need to get rid of some stuff on your internet browser. You need to get rid of some stuff that's in your cabinet that you can't control. You need to go home and apologize to a spouse. You need to go home and change the way you parent. Something, I don't know. But God, I'll stay out of the cabinets when I, until I'm ready. Until you say I'm ready. I won't walk through those cabinets. I won't walk into that stuff. I know you say these things. My prayer today is that we'd walk out of here in freedom, living our best life. Can I pray for you today? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in the room and you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus, but today I'd like to do that. I want to start by giving my life to Jesus this morning and starting a new life with him. If that's you, would you hold your hand up right where you are to pray for salvation and a new life? Amen. Let me just pray over you today. Father, Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you give us freedom and life and, and goodness and grace and mercy. And God, we just declare that today we're going to begin living our best life. We're going to begin flowing with the Spirit. Help us do that. Help us follow you. God, as we read uh, 20 chapters over the next 20 days in the Bible, as we read several books of the Bible, God, I just pray that right now you'd begin to illuminate scriptures to us that are going to challenge us to live our best life. God, I pray that you would clearly show us and let us know what the cabinets or the rooms are that we need to stay away from. God, that we have free reign of everything else, but God, let us stay away from that trash because we want to walk with you. We want to always be flowing in your direction to the destination you're leading us to. We want to always be moving and not stagnant faith, but fresh moving faith. God, we honor you. We worship you, and I pray that life change begins today. We honor you and praise you. In your name we pray, amen.